update at noon, midday to 1 p.m. Uh, Dr. Adaman, if we could just start by uh, just looking at a more in a more nuanced fashion at what's happening here. So Russia denying that it is planning any sort of invasion, uh, but it has seized Ukrainian territory before. So the history between these two countries is perhaps just worth touching on, even if very briefly. And why is this situation particularly worrying in the current situation? That's a really good question. I'm going to take the last part of what you addressed first. A lot of us here in Ukraine are wondering why now has the entire atmosphere changed because things from the West and the Ukrainian side haven't really changed since 2014. You may recall in 2014, the Crimean Peninsula, which belonged to Ukraine, um, was illegally annexed by Russia. And there was uh, fighting still active. Ukraine has been in a conflict with uh, Russia since 2014. There are Russian-led militants in some of the eastern provinces of Ukraine. So there's been a lot of tension. However, this military buildup that began this uh, the spring of 2021 with nearly 100,000 Russian troops amassing on Ukraine's eastern border um, This was surprising to Ukraine, but the West didn't quite react then. Now there's more activity and there's a lot more attention. Uh, Many Ukrainian journalists and observers will say that the West isn't necessarily overreacting. They are focusing on this right now, but they could have focused on this in 2014 too. Have there been any answers forthcoming on that front? Because uh, it begs, uh, you know, more questions about uh, not just the timing, but also um, the context of the threat that Russia actually poses to the Ukraine at this point, Dr. Oderman. Well, I think everyone is taking the threat very seriously. And one of the best indications of that was when the United States did say it was going to pull out its non-essential employee and fa- employees and family members of diplomats. That was interpreted here in Kiev as um, a sign that there was um, a high risk of threat. And those are actually words that U.S. President Joe Biden did say. Now, why things might have changed also is because of the new administration in the White House. Donald Trump had a much different approach with his relations in Russia, with Russia. And we have now a president that actively was in politics during the Cold War. And as an academic, um, I can remember in the late 90s, everyone was looking for new paradigms to explain this new world order, this post-Cold um, War order. And it seems, though, that just like Russia is a successor state of the USSR in terms of its seat on the NATO Security Council and on and other multilateral organizations, it seems that maybe observers like myself and other academics didn't really catch that the foreign policy motives hadn't changed much for Russia, even though the country changed. Here in Ukraine, um, people see this aggression towards Russia because Ukraine has a westward orientation and the standard of living is higher. Um, the people are have more personal freedoms. And by being so close to Russia, 
Russians may look at that and say, well, why not here? Why not with us? Which, of course, makes Putin's hold on power in that country less stable. Just in terms of um, mineral resources and the like, uh, what does Russia stand to gain by invading Ukraine? Well, the Donbass and Luhansk region are um, coal, iron ores. There's minerals there. Ukraine also has very rich natural gas that hasn't actually been tapped into because the infrastructure hasn't been created since the end of the 90s. Um, what they have to gain isn't as much um, financial in terms of minerals. It's a land bridge to Crimea. Um, Crimea is Russia's only warm water port, and that's one of the reasons they so desperately wanted it back and seized the opportunity in 2014. Uh, they need this. However, there is a water shortage in Crimea, and uh, the land bridge that the Kremlin built and was open, I only think it's four lanes. And to support an entire peninsula with water and supplies over this land bridge, plus their millets, their marine there, is difficult. So some people are speculating that this is a little bit part of a strategic um I don't want to use the word game, but a strategic attempt to uh, draw, um, take over part of the southeastern Ukraine so they have a, uh, a land connection from Russian territory into the Crimea. And just a final question, uh, Dr. Oderman, with regard to the relationship between Russia and um, other NATO members and also um, whether there's a united response from those members uh, towards what's happening in the Ukraine. Well, we have to look at the fact that Brexit plays a role and also the decisions um, Germany has made in the past week. Um, are showing that perhaps NATO isn't as unified as it was in the past, and it's concerning. Uh, Ukraine does not belong to NATO. It has never belonged to NATO. So the Kremlin's response that NATO is threatening it by thinking about having Ukraine perhaps theoretically in the future be a member um, is kind of a poor excuse. But what we do see is there's increased interest from the UK in Ukraine because now that the UK no longer is part of the EU, they need to explore some new markets, especially for agricultural imports into their country. And they've been looking closely at Ukraine. So there is a relationship building there. Also, you can't forget that um, what happened in Salisbury with the uh, Scripple uh, um, situation there is a strong indication that you know Russians were in the UK and did um, you know agents of the Kremlin pulled off that poisoning. So there is perhaps a, a stronger affinity between the UK and Ukraine. We have to look at Germany that has some misplaced pacifism right now and their interest in getting lower priced gas for their domestic population. And although these multilateral organizations are about working together, unfortunately, politicians want to get reelected, and they get reelected by their domestic population. Germany has been a country at peace since the end of World War II. Their population has um, a very comfortable life, a high standard of living, and energy prices are skyrocketing there. It's hard to find empathy in Germany 
for the plight of Ukrainians. So Germany, with its new um, cabinet and its new chancellor, Olaf Scholz, they have been not having a unified message amongst themselves and also not as members of the EU or NATO. Dr. Kari Oderman, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Appreciate it. Political scientist in uh, Kiev in Ukraine talking to us about the latest developments there on that political front. Update at noon, midday to 1 p.m.